Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents with lots of experience and plenty of opinions. Welcome back, everyone. I'm still getting used to, like, timing in this intro stuff. It's not easy for me. You'll get there. Thank you. I'm trying. You're doing all right. I'm trying. I'm really excited because here we are with another great conversation. But before we get into that, we have our wonderful guest, Erica Etten, who we're going to speak to in just a few moments. But before we get into that, Liron, how was your weekend? Um, actually, it was an interesting weekend. Um, I kind of, uh, I guess, a good divorce story. Sure. <laughs> a co-parenting it. story. Let's hear it. So I was supposed to, I got invited to go out of town this weekend. All expenses paid trip. I totally should have gone. Oh, my God. Yeah. And my kids both had really big days. Like on Friday, this one had the Halloween party at the school. The other one was performing. My ex very graciously, which is, you know, very nice of him, agreed to switch weekends with me. Generous. And have them this weekend so that I can go. Between everything happening in Israel and my general mood and then just also that guilt of leaving the kids and this and that and will he do, will he be on top of it? I decided not to go. Mm. And then I showed up on Friday at their events. Their dad was there with his fiance and the baby. And they were killing it. I mean, they were doing it. And I felt kind of unnecessary and a little imposing, which was really weird for me. Third wheel. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went and ended up uh, volunteering and selling hot dogs at the class booth because I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> nice way to improv it there. Yeah, yeah I, I was really important that day. <laughs> so, but what was it like? But, though? I mean, do you have regrets about not going away? 100%. I was regretting the entire weekend. And it was just, I think for me, maybe I just had to see it for myself um, to see that the kids were okay. Because, you know, my little one gave me the guilt beforehand. Like, I don't want you to miss it. And who's going to do my face painting? And then... Once I was there, he was running around with his friends. I wasn't, it, it was, it was, I had a lot of regret this weekend. I had like serious FOMO and, um, but now I know that, you know, I need to let go. I need to learn to let go. What do you think was a bigger reason why you decided to, the second guessing the trip or the guilt of missing out on your kid's experience? <sighs> I think it was the guilt and also I had a little bit of anxiety and fear this time, a little sure. more so than normal. Sure. It was like, what if, God forbid, something happens right. and I'm six hours away with no car? Right. That was my initial reasoning for not going. And okay. then it was like, well, then there's also the things happening. So it made I kind of justified staying. Yeah. But I regretted it completely when I was sitting at home all weekend, cleaning my house, watching my friends drinking mimosas and water skiing. Thanks a lot, Jewish anxiety. You really helped out there. Really so, nice. Yeah, that was... Well, I went away for the weekend. I went to a retreat, a men's retreat in Camp Tawanga, which is up near Yosemite. And I went this time last year for the Jewish Divorce and Recovery Retreat, which is happening this coming weekend in Tawanga. And then again at the end of December in Simi Valley, which okay. we'll have more information about that. But I went for a Jewish men's retreat and it was phenomenal. It was yeah. great just to get away and get out of Los Angeles, get to the mountains, see the beautiful trees and the fall colors and be by live bodies of water, lakes and rivers, and to be with other guys and to talk about stuff that we're going through and to share and to get hugs. Like that was like, for some odd reason, getting a hug was like the best part about it. And sometimes you just really need that. 
And the interesting thing that I found is that every time I talk about divorce, right, I was a guest educator. So I went there as rabbi, right? And I went there to go teach about masculinity and Judaism and all that stuff. And of course, I brought up the idea of being divorced because that's part of my story. I do divorce coaching and inherently there are men there who might be divorced. So I brought it up as just setting up a flag in case you're interested. I can't tell you how many guys came up to me and said something like, I've been through a divorce or I'm going through a divorce now. I mean, just talking about it is huge, right? It normalizes things. And I found that to be really helpful in this whole conversation because I felt a little awkward. I was a new person to the environment. I didn't really know anyone. And so I needed to find a way to relate to other people and feel normal amongst them. And it felt so good to be able to do that on top of the fact that like I brought my dog and I have to put her down and this is a really sad thing. And I talked about it there. I shared with the guys that I was bringing her just to kind of spend a last weekend with her in a beautiful spot. And one of the guys put his arm on my shoulder, or put his hand on my shoulder and said, listen, man, from one dog owner to another, I know exactly what you're going through and that fucking sucks. And that just made me feel incredible. And you think about the power of being able to reach out to people and also share with them. Kayla Moran talks about this in her new book about um, how men banter and chit chat rather than having real conversations with people. And just being able to open up the conversation for something more important than what's the weather or how did the Yankees do, right? Or what's your Bitcoin level at, whatever that is, it changes the whole dynamic of the relationship. And I wonder if guys would just be much better off if we led with vulnerability rather than with chit chat or with banter. But that's another conversation for another time because we have a wonderful guest who's been waiting. And after our commercial break, we're going to hear from Erica Etten, who does dating and relationship coaching for the mass public. I'm very excited about this topic. Absolutely. Yeah. We go to Action commercial. Action Plumbing is a family-owned business that has been serving the Los Angeles area for over 35 years. The owner, Stephen Alexander, passed away a year ago, and now his wife is running the business. Steve always offered special rates and donations to synagogues and Jewish institutions since the 80s. So we're excited to support this Jewish solo parent business owner. Be sure to call Action One Plumbing when you're having problems with those pipes. Visit actiononeplumbing.com and use our exclusive code JDP25 and get $25 off. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with our special guest, Erica Etten. It's uh, wonderful to have you on, Erica. You're our first guest in this new season with a new studio and a new co-host. So, like, this is a big moment for us. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And it's clear that you're already in the holiday season for Halloween. Oh, yes. I love Halloween. I just, I get so excited. (laughs) I'll probably wear this shirt every day until next Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. I put on the fall color as well. I'm not good with that stuff. I can't dress for the seasons. But let me me read uh, this wonderful bio we have for Erica so everyone can understand who she is. Erica Etten is the founder of A Little Nudge, a consulting company that helps people navigate the world of online dating from first click to first date. Erica studied economics at Cornell University and received her MBA from Georgetown. She started a little nudge in 2011 after a seven-year career as an economist. She is responsible for many relationships, marriages, and the confidence some people simply need to get out there. A little nudge has been featured in media around the country, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, NPR, CBS, and Ask Men. And she currently writes a weekly syndicated dating column. Erica, uh, it's wonderful to have you. It really is. We know we're in store for a lot of great wisdom here. Well, thank you. I'm excited. Thank you. Uh, uh, so um, just out of curiosity, are you Jewish? You don't have to be to be a guest on this show, but I was just curious. It's, it's your lucky day. I am Jewish. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. 
So just be aware of that, friends. You're coming, you're getting advice from within the tribe here, okay? Someone with that was perspective. It, was it my hair that gave me away? Uh, a, a little bit. A little bit. Okay, so you have a question? Yeah, well, yeah, well I mean, you know, I've been single five years now, and just, it's been so interesting to watch, to just get into the dating pool and, and trying the online dating and meeting people in person, all of that. And I think one of the things that really fascinates me, and I'm sure you have insight on this, and especially being that Noam and I are here together co-hosting, is just how differently men and women date. I think that's, I think there's a totally, without trying to be, you know, gender stereotyping and all of that, I just, I... I've seen that I think there's really a difference in the way that women and, and men date and the intentions. And I was curious your thoughts on that and your experience. Well, I want to know what you mean when you say men and women are different when Let's they date. It. Yeah. Um, what do you mean, Lero? What do I mean? Well, I mean, I guess and not in always because some, I, I don't know. I think that the way that women the intention that women might have when they go on a date is maybe different than the intention the men go on online. Curious. Are you suggesting that are men are just into it for sex? Well, some women are into it for sex. Kind of. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the when reading the profiles, my experience, many times they say the right things that they're looking for someone and they want something serious, but then that's not really what you get on that date. Uh Here's what I do know. I can't say that people go in with different intentions necessarily because I don't, you know, everyone has different intentions. But I will say that it is not a stereotype that men can often be more visual. That is the truth. And so when swiping on a dating site, let's say Bumble, for example, a woman's swipe means more than a man's swipe. So it all starts the same. You see the first picture, you don't like what you see, you swipe left. That's easy. Everyone's the same. Now you see a picture you do like the first picture. Generally men see one picture, they like it, they swipe right. Maybe they go back later to look. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Whereas women, we see the first picture. Oh, looks pretty good. Let's see the other pictures. Make sure there's nothing creepy. Make sure there's no fish. Make sure there's no shirtless gym selfies. Make sure there's not pictures with 10 or 20 other women. Make sure the whole thing. Then did they write words? If they did write words, what do those words say? Are they positive versus negative? Are they complete sentences? Are they devoid of sexual content? Okay, if you pass all of those tests, then as a woman, we swipe right. So I get a lot of questions from female clients asking, well, I don't understand. We matched. We both swipe right on each other. Why is he not answering me? And Mm -hmm. I have to be the messenger to say, well, he did like your first picture. Or he swiped right on everyone just to see his whole pool of people he matched with. He either didn't go back at all or he went back and decided no for whatever reason. And so in that way, I do believe that men and women can be pretty different. Now, I can't speak to the intentions because, yeah. look, I think think you could go in with the intention of wanting a serious relationship, but that doesn't mean somebody wants it necessarily with you or with this other person. So you might get on the date thinking, okay, I want a serious relationship like in the big picture, but if that's not what you want with this person sitting in in front of you, your intentions might change for that person. So I get that question a lot too from female clients. Like, well, he said in his profile, he wants a serious relationship, but I noticed by date three, he was really 
pushing the sexual stuff. And look, you, you can't blame someone for wanting it, but obviously don't go for that if that's not what you're looking for. But I do have to say sometimes, like I don't necessarily know that it was a lie that he wants a serious relationship, but for whatever reason, he put you in the bucket of not being serious relationship material. It has nothing to do with you personally. It's just that people segment sometimes. Right. It's, you know, and, and Lerone, maybe you could agree with this or not, but um, I think, I don't want to overgeneralize, but often, Men put you in a segment. Zero mm -hmm. wouldn't sleep with you. One would sleep with you. If you're in the one category, would only sleep with you versus want to get to know you for a relationship. And sometimes you end up in the one, mm -hmm. but not get to know you category. Yeah. I feel that overly generalizes it, but I see it over and over. And I don't know that women put those buckets, make them so clear in the beginning. It's kind of like, let me see, maybe, you know, I think women need to work on it a little longer. I think I do feel like it feels like men a bucket pretty quick i i, I don't I know for women, sorry i was just please, for women please. i think attraction can certainly grow based on the person's personality but i think that's less likely look i couldn't tell you statistics from my friends who are on bumble and whatnot i don't have a lot of guy friends that are on bumble actually um they're either married or they're just not dating and I can't tell you their swiping practices what you've described though has also happened to me that there have been women who have swiped on me first this is when I was dating. I'm not dating now, but there's a woman who swiped on me first and I swiped on her. So we're a match, right? I'm thinking she's interested right from the get go. And then I never hear from her. So I, I don't know what it is. I mean, what if it, it may just be app culture, right? That there's something that's a little lazy about it, right? It's so easy to kind of match with people, but then to follow up is really kind of the energy. And maybe people wait till they're done with work for the day or they wait till the weekend or something like that. But there's not a real like urgency to connect with the person on any type of meaningful label, forget about sexually, right? But just intellectually, right? That you would if you met in person. And I, I wonder if this is just a factor of the apps. I believe you're right. I, when I'm managing, so a lot of what I do is actually managing people's online dating for them. They sure. hire me to outsource their right. online dating. Right. For some women, I might need to send 15 messages on Bumble to get one or two responses. So, yeah, I do believe that in theory, people want to meet. But in practice, it's extremely time consuming. Mm -hmm. It takes energy. Mm -hmm. It takes effort. And those are real, actual things. And sometimes people decide to put their energy and effort into anything else right. than the online dating. And you think about the rejection factor, too, which is icky for a lot of people. Why bother going through it if you think you're going to get rejected or at least? Why bother going into it with such urgency if you think you're going to get rejected? So why not pace yourself? Maybe that's part of the mentality too. Yeah, I, I use, I mean, and I, I don't feel, I'm not happy to admit this, but I think there's times where with the, when it came to the apps, it was just like, oh, what am I going to do now? I'm going to sit in bed and just kind of scroll and you just kind of scroll and see people. And this right. one looks cute. Maybe I'll talk to him later. And then my problem was with kids and this and that. I wouldn't find, I'd have a hard time finding the time and I'd have guys get like, well, why are you on here if you don't even have time to meet, meet up, you know, and get annoyed with me? Dating in divorce land sucks. It's <laughs> terrible. I don't think that gives everyone a right to be a jerk to you about it, right? No, it just, no, but it is what it is. <laughs> Erica, you um, have talked about rules before, right? I've been on your Instagram page and you talk about certain rules for dating, right? And getting to the first date and the conversations. One of them, I think, is no bathroom picks, right? Um, oh, God. 
Right. But that's a good one. That's yeah, a, those that, are good you, ones. You need to have that. I mean, people are obviously doing that if you need to give the advice, which is scary. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fair. That's a fair point. Right. Same thing with the backwards hats and the fishing and all that stuff. Right. Um, there's a real just need to address it. Um, one of my, you know, rules is when I date, right, the first date should only be coffee. Right. It's more casual. It's, you know, you don't have to stay there too long. It's inexpensive. Um, and so let's just start with that. What are your rules for dating? Um, I, don't, I don't have rules per se, but I definitely have some best practices or rules of thumb or whatever you want to call that them. That would be great. Uh, but no, I agree with you. A first date should be short enough that you can add more time if you want to, but you have an easy out if you're not hitting it off. I, I always say you can always add dinner, but you can't take it back. Right. So coffee, a drink, a walk, just something where... There could be an endpoint if you want there to be, but you can also extend it if you want. Um, and that's that's for for your own benefit. You know, you don't want to have to be stuck with, you know, a slow, you know, slow service at a restaurant if you're just not interested in the other person. Okay, that's fair. What exactly? That was an easy one. That was an e well. So you also talk about this idea of dating NATO. Yeah. So so I call it dating NATO, which is not attached to outcome. I think we've all been in a position or we've all had a friend who you go on a first date and you build it up so much and you think to yourself, could this be my future person? Is this the one? And it's like, this is a stranger who you're having a, a glass of wine with maybe who you've never met before in your life. That is so much pressure to put on not just yourself, but on that other person who doesn't know you yet. And I find that a lot of people, if they don't hit it off on that first date, they feel like, woe is me. My dating life is a failure. I can't believe I have to start at square one. And so I try to encourage people to think less about the outcome. It dissociate the date itself from the outcome you want. Because maybe one person will eventually go the distance, but most will not. And that doesn't mean that every date is a failure. It means it's one step in the process. And so Rather than backtracking from like, okay, I want a spouse, put this new person in front of me, be that. And then backtracking and sort of filling that person in, start at point A. Like, could I have a nice conversation with this person? Do we enjoy each other's company? Mm. Do we go on a second date? That seems like a good reasonable step, you know? And, and if they don't go the way you want, maybe you'll be friends. Maybe you'll be podcast co-host maybe you'll be <laughs> that's how this podcast got started actually i met her on i met uh, my original co-host sheva on bumble we decided huh? it wasn't going to work because she lived across the country we she's in florida and i was in california and we created a podcast it was a wonderful alternative i think that's amazing and that's because you weren't so attached to a certain right. outcome with her that you thought well i don't get that i get nothing right you know that was a beautiful outcome or beautiful whatever you want to call it, um, of the situation. And so I try to encourage people to take a step back, take the pressure off of themselves and just meet a new person. And in the end, you always end up at home in your pajamas watching Netflix anyway. So like how bad can any one date? <laughs> I, actually, I actually went, <laughs> went on a couple dates with someone and he didn't end up being a good match for me, but I made him my son's drum teacher. Instead. <laughs> I love it. I I hope he doesn't hear this because then he'll know. I, I actually have some good friends out of the dating experience. When I first got divorced, the women that I met were also in a similar place and we just kept in touch. And it was great and we're friends now. There's no heat or anything like that. It's totally a good friendship. 
Um, it's been really wonderful. And I appreciate that you're bringing up, you know, at the very least, this is about meeting people. And what's wrong with meeting people? And you think about loneliness and isolation. Well, why couldn't it right. be similar to, I, I kind of sometimes look at the apps as like, if I were to walk into a bar and meet someone and have a conversation with them, I'm just getting to right. know this person. I don't know what I've met them for yet. Maybe it's a work contact. Maybe it's, yeah. and so when I, I kind of think that way too, when I go on the apps, I'm like, and if I meet one person and vibe with them, I stick with that one person because it's kind of like, if I were to meet someone out, I wouldn't talk to them and talk to 10 people at the same time. So I actually, I try to almost make it, Normal, make it feel like real life. Well, it's real life. I mean, it is, but it doesn't. It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, it's also important for me to manage clients' expectations because I get really upset if I've worked with a client for, say, three months or six months. Let's say I've set them up on three in three months. Let's say I've set them up on 10 dates. Okay. And let's say, you know, a few make it to a second date, maybe one makes it to a third, but they haven't started a relationship with any of them. I get really annoyed, honestly, when a client to me at the end says, well, that was a failure. Mm. And to me, it's like, one, that was all of my hard work. I set you up on 10 dates that you would not have gone on. Otherwise, you have learned about yourself. You have learned about other people. You are in a much better position for when you do connect with the right person. And so it's managing that so much of what I do is managing people's attitudes and yeah. expectations. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of tough love coming from your website and even what you just said. I know. No, just no, but said. it's what she just said is tough love, but all the more so. I mean, I see the like you do a lot of you do a wonderful job at addressing people's text messages and what gets missed in the oh, texting conversations. Thank you. Right? I mean, that's texting just Texting is huge. a huge part of dating no, now. But one of the thing it's it's enormous, right? From texting to sexting, there's yeah. all of that and when's it appropriate to do that and who you do that with. I mean, it's crazy. Okay that are sent? Oh, my God. God. The unsolicited pics that women get, the unsolicited pics that I've gotten, it's crazy. Erica's blushing now He's thinking about especially, it. Especially yes, mothers. People, I, 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 I kid you not. I have women, women have sent me unsolicited nude pics. Wow. Well, especially wow, if you're okay. divorced and you're, you have children, you don't know what, who's on your phone or who's looking over your shoulder. It's or it's... it's really weird. And I, don't, I wonder what it's about. Is it about attention? Is it about... Give me a compliment. I don't know. Is oh, there some seeking insecurity? Seeking validation. Wow. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. Something she said, though, I think is yeah. really important when it comes to people starting to date after divorce. And I think that there's such interesting stages that go that happen after divorce. And I, I mean, I can speak to my my personal situation. I had to just get my mojo back. I was in a, you know a marriage that didn't have intimacy for a very long time. So for me, it was about that at first, definitely. Um, but I think that, that when I did start dating, I really do feel like dating is all about practice. It's all about growth. It's all about, you don't know sometimes, especially if, you've, if you're coming out of a marriage, what you even like, what, what you don't like in someone, what you right. do like in someone, what turns you on, what gets it's you excited. It's probably different than what you liked, you know, the first time around. Like yeah. And sometimes you all so. you want is the opposite of maybe right. what you had. And but that's what you look for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, listen. Uh, oh, sorry. absolutely. Yeah. Er- no, I was just going to say priorities change. And sometimes people come in thinking they know exactly what they want based on past experiences. Or like you just said, they think they want the complete opposite of what they just had. But the reality of it is there's a, there's a you know, middle ground in there somewhere because clearly some things worked and some didn't. And right. so you sort of have to, it's like a level. You sort of have to go on enough dates to even out and figure out who you are again and then what you're looking for. 
wonderful advice to end this segment on. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to have Erica analyze some of our own dating stories uh, from recent and dating anxieties. And then I also have a philosophy of love question for you, Erica, that I would love to challenge you on. I can't wait. Gina Feeds Catering has been creating beautiful and delicious food throughout the Los Angeles area for over a decade. This local Jewish woman-owned business has been recruiting volunteers and is raising money for the soldiers in Israel by selling her famous chicken matzah ball soup. You can buy a deconstructed soup that feeds four people for $36. They even freeze well so you can stock up for the winter. To place your chicken soup for the soldier's order, you can send a DM on Instagram to Gina Feeds Catering or email Gina at GinaFeeds.com. Welcome back. All right. Well, okay. So now we're telling our stories. I think so. It's time to get vulnerable. Okay. Well, Erica, go see. easy on us, please. Bring the tough love, yeah. but ugh. Um, so I'll be totally honest and open in saying that I think my biggest issue with dating in general was getting physically close too soon. Right? Okay. I kind of had the attitude of like, well, I mean, let's see what we're working with. Why waste my time? Because that's an important. Uh, it, Get it out of the way. Good sex is something I'm not going to settle for. Right. 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 So, um, but I, I, the hard part is, so I had, I did meet this guy on, on um, Hinge and mm-hmm. he did all the things in the beginning. He texted me nonstop. Mm-hmm. He was like, ta- he was our. We clicked so much. He was Jewish. He was divorced. He was a dad, like all the things. And I immediately was just like, this guy's amazing. I was so swept away so quickly, which I don't normally do. Um, we meet. We had an amazing, like a great connection. Um, and we had one date. Next time around, it was like we found it was hard for us to find the time to meet because of our kids and our schedule. So it usually ended up being like a, I would, it became, I went over there at night when his, you know, when my kids were sleeping or whatever, whatever we did. Sure. So we slept together pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And he, and it became that. It became, we never went on dates. We never went on, you know. We never went out. Mm -hmm. That was all we did was get together at his place. And I, but I really liked this guy and I actually saw that there could be more. This was primarily physical though. It is, but we also had a really great connection, really great communication, really good conversations. It was, it was great. And at one point I finally went over there and was like, okay, listen, we got to Like, what do you want? Are you looking for a a booty call or do you actually want a relationship? Because you say you want a relationship, but your your actions don't match that. So just just tell me what you want, so I can make a decision if I'm going to be in or not. Sure. Which I think is fine to be upfront like that. And he started saying, "Well, I mean, I I really we have a really good connection. It could be something. I just don't like anyone disrupting my routine." And at that point, I was like. I got all crazy and was like, I am not a disruption. You would be so lucky to have me. Boom. I like went off. And then while we were talking, while I was going off at him, he was like rubbing my leg. He was getting turned on by me being angry. Okay. Anyways, we had one last time and then I left the guy. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) But I learned a lot from this relationship because I was... Proud of myself for saying something, but like, what is the guy's deal? Right. 
what is the guy's deal? Like, trying to analyze what he actually wanted. Well, it sounds like he just wanted sex. What do you think, Erica? Sounds like it was convenient sex. It was, but it was also, but then why the text and why the talking about future things and all? I mean, he, it was, it was, I've had straight, it was very mixed signals. Uh, Very mixed signals because I'm kind of like, if this is the, if it's going to be a sexual relationship, fine. That's what it is. I'm not going to expect anything else. Right. So it sounds like what you're asking is why do people say one thing and then do another? Yeah. And, and it just, I think at the end of the day, it's just timing, right? Of like being in the same place in the same time. Right. So he was my, that was my, that was my realization of I'm kind of done with the booty calls because I wanted more. Um, had you not said you spoke up, I would have just asked why you didn't speak up. So I'm really glad you did. Because ultimately, the only way to get what you want is to ask for what you want. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's hard when you feel that really strong connection with someone. I understand you want to sleep with them. On the other hand, you feel more emotionally connected once you sleep with someone. And often that's premature because you don't know them well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have one question. You said, even before you met, you said, oh, he had all the things. He was... Jewish and divorce, like those sounded like a lot of checkbox things to me. And so I would encourage you in addition to those checkbox things, it sounds like you did have good rapport in person anyway, but until you meet someone on paper is only on paper. Totally. Well, he was the one that really this, I I think I dated him and got into this experience to learn that lesson where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't need anything on paper. It's just about the connection with yeah. the person. I'm totally done with that. But I, I almost feel stupid that I fell into that crap. Don't feel, don't feel stupid. I mean, you did what you wanted in that moment. And look, if you ended up having great sex with this guy, then it was totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There was some benefit to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I learned my value of what I'm not going to take from someone. There you go. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, like you said, after you asked him what he was looking for, and it was clearly misaligned with what you were looking for, you got to make the decision, and and you you made the decision that was right for you. Unfortunately, a lot of people will hold on to those crumbs. Well, the sex is good, and maybe it'll turn into something, but it won't. He told you, I love that you, look, I don't know how the conversation went down, but I agree. I would have been offended if somebody said, I want someone to fit into my schedule. Give me a break. Gross. He got he got convenient sex for a while with a wonderful person, you. And now he doesn't anymore. And you're going to find someone who values other things about you, too. His loss. Yeah. So I appreciate that you use the word value there because that's kind of where mine comes in, right? I have some insecurities now. I haven't really formally been on the apps um, since the end of December last year. Um, okay. I was getting really exhausted and tired from dating. There was a, a woman who kept breadcrumbing me that I just got exhausted from and and let her know it clearly that it was bothering me and that just kind of all like fell off the table right um it met someone on instagram she reached out right which was really great it felt much more natural we dated for a little bit um and then you know over the course of the summer i start feeling a little lonely so i get back on you know facebook dating and um i have a couple conversations with people i don't really go out but then i get off again because ultimately the circumstance that I keep coming back to is wrestling with the loneliness, right, that I feel like and wanting the companionship to be with someone, to share with someone and to love as well and be loved. Right? It's also that it's just not the right time right now with everything going on. Right. I have a job that I'm very serious about that I want to, you know, excel at. I got kids I need to focus on. I got a bar mitzvah coming up um, in January. 
Um, and so like, that's part of it is like, how do I really work this out so that I could meet someone and give them the type of attention that they need so they're not just fitting into my life, right? And I'm not fitting into theirs. But here's the bigger thing, right? The bigger thing is that I, I live in Los Angeles and it's very expensive to live here. And I live modestly at best, right? I don't drive a new car, right? It's 10 years old. I don't live in a new, gorgeous, gigantic house, right? It's very basic, very modest. Um, my kids aren't wearing expensive clothes. I'm not taking them out to expensive places. We're not going on expensive vacations. And, and part of this for me is that like, I look, I look at it and see like, well, who's really going to take a look at me and say that like, there's some type of financial stability here, right? I have a good job. I make money, right? But like I live modestly. And I think part of my concern is that people are, I'm just not going to be enough for them. I think every woman's priority is stability. I've I've had financial stability. I've had a difficult time in dating in that women are demanding a that I pay for meals and pay for things and and plan things out, which I think is part of the dating game and also feels very patriarchal. Um, but it's also like I just can't afford that, right? Like I can't afford to take someone away on a vacation right now. So I believe that I have a lot to offer. I really do. I believe I have a wonderful character to offer and a beautiful human being to bring to the to a relationship table. I don't believe that people are are looking for that. Or they're just not getting to the point of seeing that. I guess not. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm at, Erica. I realize it's somewhat of a mess that I drop in your lap, but that's kind of where I'm at. Did someone make you feel badly about the money? Yes. Yeah, I could tell. Um, because yep. you, you clearly have a chip on your shoulder about yep. it. And I think of that experience, which is really unfortunate because not everyone is leading with that. Many women will see that you're a good person. And the money thing, I think, is a much bigger thing in your head yeah. than it is outwardly. And, and we all have a thing that to us is the biggest thing in the world, but to other people is absolute. This is going to sound like the most trivial. This is a terrible analogy because it's not even remotely similar. But you know when, like, I once had a really bad eyebrow wax. They, like, I haven't had my eyebrows waxed. They took off, like, like half of it. And so all I noticed was eyebrows. Mm -hmm. And I thought, everyone's staring at my, you know who stared at my eyebrow? Nobody. Mm -hmm. Me. I'm the yeah. only one who noticed. Yeah. Nobody else even noticed. And so that's, obviously, that's a, a silly analogy. But we make things much bigger in our head. I have clients who have never been married over a certain age and they make a thing in their head about how everyone is judging them for that. Or clients who have been married and they think everyone is judging them for that. Or clients who don't have kids or do have kids or any variation of anything in life. And so I hate that someone made you feel so inadequate about that because it's impacting your ability to meet people. It is. It is, frankly. Um, yeah. Are you dating women who are uh, single? Are you are you primarily dating women who are also divorced? Yes. Are you? Yeah. yeah. See, I think that's a really big difference, too, is that I would think like for me, for instance, is I have a lot more compassion and understanding to men that are divorced. Yeah. If I see like a man's like, oh, he, he moved back in with his parents or he lives in this like tiny little apartment, I don't judge because he's probably rebuilding his life. But 
if it was a, you know, 45-year-old man who's never never been married, never has children and is focused on his career, yeah, I'd probably assume he'd be a little more established. Okay, so let me ask the let me push a little bit further, right? I can work on this chip on my shoulder. I can speak about it with my therapist. I have one more thought about something you said. Sure, sure. Um, I can work on this chip on my shoulder. I can bring it up in my men's group. I can talk about it with my therapist, right? I'll do all those things. That's fine. I can address it. Then there's the reality of it, though, which is that still, right, even if they're single moms who are divorced, right, I'm still getting asked to pay for dates, and I can't afford that. That was my next point. Right. Okay. So don't go on dates you can't afford. Okay. So don't take people to places True. that are above what you want to pay. Right. But even Generally, paying for the meal, though, people, is what I'm saying, even if it's not an expensive well, meal. Don't go to a fan- Then, well, then you have to think about, is it the time to be dating? Because I will say... You use the word patriarchy. I believe in many things. True. I believe in equality, but I also believe in chivalry. It's nice as a woman, and I can only speak as a woman because sure. I am one. Yeah. It's nice to feel treated sometimes, even if as a woman, I can very well afford things. I can also open the door for myself, but gosh, it's nice when someone else does. Right. And so the right person is not going to care the caliber of the restaurant. She's not going to. There are a million dates you can do that don't break the bank. You could plan a picnic and bring a bottle of wine that's $10. I mean, right. it's the right people will appreciate the thought, not the money. Okay. That's fair. I, I can certainly no, I get appreciate it. You're that. in LA. It's a very stereotypically superficial place, but LA is huge. Yeah. There are people of all kinds out there right. who are going to, who are not looking for that. So yeah, it, it is, I don't want to say expected, but it is still a nice job. Do I tell my male clients, do I suggest that they pay for the first date? I do. Mm. Yes. Um, but I don't suggest that they should be taking people out to a five. Right. You know, you right. said you like a cup of coffee. Find a really cute mom and pop coffee shop that has a patio or something. Bring your dog, you know, and you, and that's, that's a cute, fun date. Maybe you go for a walk after. I agree. I, much better mentality to handle this with. I, I thank you for that very much. I appreciate it. And, and I thank you for the tough sure. love on, for both of us. Right. That's what people really need is a direct. I didn't even think honest. I was that tough. I thought it was pretty nice. Well, it's the honesty. <laughs> it's the honesty part that, you know, people have a difficult time dealing with. So um, here's yeah. something that I wanted to bring up. This is um, I, I've referenced this article ever since I read it, ever since I heard about it. Um, it's an article called Why You Will Marry the Wrong Person. And it was written in 2016 by Elaine de Botton, who's a philosopher of love, runs the School of Life. Some, you know, it's a wonderful resource website. And I wanted to read just the first brief three paragraphs to you and hear what you think about it. Sure. Okay. Okay. I'll take some notes. So here we go. And it was expanded into a larger book as well. It's one of the things we are most afraid might happen to us. We go to great lengths to avoid it. And yet we do it all the same. We marry the wrong person. Partly it's because we have a bewildering array of problems that emerge when we try to get close to others. We seem normal only to those who don't know us very well. In a wiser, more self-aware society than our own, standard question on early dinner dates would be, and how are you crazy? Perhaps we have a latent tendency to get furious when someone disagrees with us or can relax only when we are working. Perhaps we're tricky about intimacy after sex or clam up in response to humiliation. Nobody's perfect. The problem is that before marriage, we rarely delve into our complexities. Whenever casual relationships threaten to reveal our flaws, we blame our partners and call it a day. 
As for friends, they don't care enough to do the hard work of enlightening us. One of the privileges of being our own, on our own, is therefore the sincere impression that we really are quite easy to live with. Take a note. Please. Was what, that the three paragraphs? That was the three paragraphs. Um, I, I mean, the whole thing is interesting. But the first one that I'm really you know, curious about the question is, what do you think about that first dinner date question? And how are you crazy? Well, it doesn't come out like that. Right. It comes out as, why are you single? Ah. Which has the undertone of, what's wrong with you? Right. So you don't saying, ask that. You do <laughs> ask that. No, don't. Don't, oh, don't ask, ask that. No, it's so rude. It, it implies that there's only one way to be, and that way is not single. It implies that someone has to sort of sweep you off your feet. How about agency and choice? Most single women I know, or single people I know, are not single for lack of someone choosing them. It's because they have standards sure. as they should. And so, um, so that question, I don't think, I don't think anyone is transparent enough to say, how are you crazy? But they certainly, they do it under the guise of a backhanded compliment saying, are you still single? Why are you still single? Yeah. What's the catch? Yeah. Annoying. Um, I have so many thoughts about what you just said. I have to now keep in mind, I did not read this article, so I only know what you just said. Fair enough. But I have to wonder what does wrong mean? Was it wrong at the time you got married or you were different people now? Mm. There could be something that's right. And now it's in hindsight, it could be wrong. Mm. Um, I think, Maybe you'll agree with this. I think it's changing, but I think there's a lot of societal pressure mm -hmm. to get married or to live this cookie cutter, one size fits all life that may not be right for everybody. And I think a lot of people succumb to the pressure of society or parents or whoever it is by getting married because they are of the age that they think they should. I know plenty of people who did that. Right. Um, and then the last thing I wrote down was, is it that people marry the wrong person or they don't work on the marriage they have? Mm. So right. Everything looks beautiful from afar, you know, but is it that we don't water our own grass? And like, I don't have any answers. It's all rhetorical, but I don't think it's as simple as why people marry the wrong person. What I, do you think? Well, so later on, he goes to describe in the article how, you know, two generations ago, people got married for reason, right? You had a wealth or something like that that can be transferred that you wanted to share. Your family was involved in, you know, some type of power in some way. So you had opportunities ahead of you with the marriage. And then he talks about people starting to get married for romantic reasons, right? Because I love you and I want to bottle this feeling and hold on to it. And unfortunately, that runs out because people are human. Right. And I, I wonder if part of what he's suggesting is you're right. It's not a literal question. How are you crazy and why are you still single? But I think what he's also talking about is speaking honestly about yourself to someone, right? Sharing with someone on the first date from a position of vulnerability rather than a position of perfection. I'm sure you tell your clients to put your best foot forward right on the date. I wonder and I think par part of his point is to say that like on the second date, then you expect that, right? That same person to show up. And then on the third date and the fourth date, and once you bottle it, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, but putting your best foot forward is not mutually exclusive with also being yourself. Right. Yeah, I want you to put your best foot forward through ironing your clothing and smiling and being on time and 
you know, coming in with a positive, open-minded attitude. But all of that does not mean you shouldn't also be the weird, quirky person you are. Now, I don't think you should overshare, though. I think you can be yourself, but not share all the little uh, intricacies of your life that's not appropriate for a first date. Like, you better believe the first time I meet someone, and I'm not talking about dating, I'm talking about life. I go to the gym, I start making puns. That's just who I am, right? That's bringing my best self to the gym or wherever I'm going, but it's also being me, but it's also not divulging my life history in the middle of my gym class. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, so I think there's a lot of nuance there. So, so yes, you can be vulnerable, but you can also, I mean, you don't have to open the spigot the full way on the first date. You want to just slightly turn it so that, you're sharing about yourself, but at an appropriate time. I hear what you're saying. I think people, when we were talking about why people get married and why they, I think that it's about when you see that, when you feel like you want the same things, when you're in that, having those dates and you're starting to connect with someone and you're dating them and you're like, we both want kids. We both want this life. You know, that's the mm-hmm. reason to get married. doesn't mean that you know and like everything about that person or it doesn't mean that you're not going to learn new things about them as an actual human being later but the intentions nobody says let's get married yeah. so we can get a divorce they say let's get married and build a life together and so that is very appealing and exciting that you found someone that wants the same things as you you're right but well it, and that your timing is aligned which i think is sure. a, a such the wrong reason yeah, it's such a terrible reason to, to choose a person because you have the same timing. Yeah. You'll find someone else who has similar timing who you actually like as a person whose values align with yours. I mean, so, you know, I watch all of these terrible reality shows for, quote, work purposes, but really I love them, but fine, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I just watched Love is Blind. And, I mean, it's ter- it's, a, it's a terrible premise, but it's because they both want to get married so badly that they'll do anything. Sure. It doesn't matter who it is. That's the wrong reason. Just because you both want to get engaged in two weeks in a you know in a pod does not mean that this should be your person. It just means your timing happens to be similar. It's so funny that you've referenced this vaguely. You just said, Erica, your person. And one of the things that Botan talks about in the article is how there really is no such thing as the one. Or like we want the one. Right. That's the problem with the romantic side of relationships is that like you think that this is the person who fits you and is compatible with you and part of his argument is that compatibility is not a negotiating stance from the beginning compatibility is something that you build to right so is there the one oh i, I agree i don't think so there could be you? multiple no. no i think there could be so many different people who make you happy for different reasons yeah, I always say it's just like your friends. Like you don't, you have friends that you go out with. You have friends right. you tell your secrets to. You have different friends for different reasons. And I think it is. Yes, it can happen, and people can really end up having their best friend, and their love life is wonderful, and they're parenting together. I, I, it's kind of rare, but I think that does can happen. I don't think that's you know impossible, but. That's why I think that the whole trend of all the unconventional marriages and all that stuff is becoming so popular because people are starting to see that have putting so much pressure on expecting one person to meet every single need is a big ask. It is. It is. Uh, Erica, this has been a wonderful conversation for us. Thank you so much. We, we have enjoyed me too. every moment of this. You, you gave us exactly, I think, the type of wisdom that we were looking for and that we very much needed. Um, so everyone should really reach out to Erica and uh, find a little nudge on Instagram. Are you also on Facebook? 
Facebook, Instagram, all the things. And her yep. podcast. I have to say, her your podcast is awesome. And my favorite episode I was just listening to, we were talking about how holding hands is more intimate than kissing. And I really, oh, yeah. I that was a that really episode. good one. I disagree with I you on that. I love that one. Okay. You disagree on I, that? I, hmm. Ooh, okay, well, we, we have a whole, next time. Next, next time. Next time. Let's talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a kisser. I'm a hand holder too, but I'm more of a kisser. Okay. Uh, so you can find a little nudge. You can find Erica Etten, uh, a little nudge uh, on Instagram and on Facebook and on the web at a little nudge.com. And you can find her, as Lerone said, on her podcast on Spotify and iTunes at So We Met Online, which is a fantastic uh, conversation to hear about two people who are on the dating scene and have real wisdom about it. Thank you again, Erica, so much for your time and your wisdom and your energy, which you give so generously. Todaraba. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so why don't we uh, wrap up the episode now? Yeah. Why don't we say goodbye to Erica? We're going to close out. Oh, gosh, was that on camera? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. It's okay. Thank you so much. We'll match you. We'll send you. It was so nice to meet both of you. Absolutely. You, you as well. We'll send you the promotion um, Let me know material. when it all comes out, and yeah. I'll be happy to post. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at The Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at mydivorceconcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at mydivorceconcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, of all backgrounds as well. My email address is noamrauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at noamrauscher.